everybody and welcome to the Future Frontline podcast. My name is Nikki and I'm one of the co-founders of Future Frontline as well as a medical student at King's College London. Today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Steph, a second year medical student at the University of Dundee and our international student team lead. So Steph, would you please be able to introduce yourself to everyone listening? Yes, absolutely. So hi, my name is Steph. I am from Zimbabwe. Uh, which for those of you who are not sure is located in southern Africa, just above South Africa. Um, I'm a second year med student as Nikki said uh, and I'm living in Scotland now trying to adjust to the cold weather you have here. Oh no I can imagine that's definitely a big um, adjustment to make. How How have you been finding it especially now as we're you know we're in January as we're recording this right now? Well, to be honest, I did struggle. <laughs> I, I have a lot of thick jackets and I definitely bundle up and I'm always with a cup of tea and a hot water bottle to try make my way through the winter. But otherwise, I actually really love Scotland. There's so much culture here. It's so different and there's so many opportunities. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, how are you today? Today I'm good. I've actually had a wonderful day. I've actually been on the Future Frontline Instagram. I did a takeover, which was quite fun. Um, And then otherwise, I'm back at uni. So all our classes have been moved online for the time being. So busy day of classes. And yeah, so now after this, I'm going to go relax on the couch with some TV. Oh, sounds like a perfect day then. And if you want, um, everyone listening, if you want to check out um, Steph's, Steph's takeover, you can find it on our Instagram on our highlights. So definitely go check that out. I was following along today and seems like you had a reproductive, um, fulfilling day. So yeah. I did. I was very lucky. Um, well, not very lucky. I just, it did, ended up being that way. So it was really, really nice. Oh, perfect. Um, So I suppose a good place to start would be to talk about why you wanted to get involved with um, Future Frontline. So would you mind telling us a bit about that? Absolutely. So I was following Tash initially, and I'm very new to the whole Instagram world. uh, But I was following her and I saw her talking about it. And I absolutely love the idea of starting to talk about teamwork within the medical field early, you know, educating high school students and potential medical and other future frontline students about what it's like to work as a team and what the other team members do. Uh, So I saw that happening and it was wonderful, but I definitely saw there was a gap for international students. And I know that in my year at Dundee, there's quite a few of international students and I know we get even more coming in from Malaysia who join into our third year. So our graduating class consists of a good portion of international students who will then start working in the UK. So I said, well, I see a gap. I asked Tash if maybe she'd be willing to let me try to grow that. And she said, okay. Oh, no, I think you've really addressed like that's such an important thing to take into account. I mean, um, I'm at King's and we have loads of international students as well. And like you said, it's really important that um, whether you're studying medicine or any healthcare course is really important to emphasize the role of teamwork as early on as you can and just make sure that people have a really good understanding. And yeah, no, thank you so much, though. Um, just speaking on my part and also Tash and everyone at Future Frontline it's amazing to have you the work you do and you're so active and engaged it's amazing like it's perfect honestly (laughs) thank you so much you make me blush that means so much um so what actually made you choose to 
study a healthcare degree in the first place? Was there anything else you sort of considered apart from medicine or was it always something you knew you wanted to do? So it was actually always something I knew. I actually have a letter I wrote to myself when I was 12 and it said, when I grow older, I want to be three things. I want to be a tennis player, I want to be a doctor and I want to be a mother. Um, and I've been very fortunate in my life. I actually, my previous undergraduate degree, I was a tennis player uh, playing in the States. And then this degree, I'm now trying to be a doctor. And I'm very hopeful that along the line, I will become a mother. So yeah, I decided at 12 that this was the path for me and there's never been any variant from that. Oh, that's amazing. That's so nice that you have that letter to look back on and just sort of remind you of, you know, the goals you had back then when you were 12 and seeing you um, going on to fulfill them now. That's honestly so lovely. Thank you. No, it was. Um, and a little bit of a backstory. So the reason I wrote that letter um, and the reason I actually decided on medicine was I was very ill as a child for a few years and I spent a lot of time in the hospital and in bed uh, and I read a lot of books, especially about doctors and pathologists. And that was kind of what inspired me. I said, you know, these these characters in these books are helping so many people, whether they're living, whether they're dead, they're just doing so much to get answers. And I said, well, that's for me. I want to figure out the answers. Oh, so you, would you say the sort of, sort of the, de the detective work in medicine, would you say that's probably like your favourite thing so far? Yes, absolutely. The problem solving, the getting to the answer. Um, and it's definitely for me with science, what I love is there's always going to be an answer. You just might have to look a little bit harder sometimes. Mm, definitely that's so true and just when you think about it now there's still so much out there that we don't know and that's why we have research and people working in labs um, trying to make all these new discoveries and innovate um, it's really incredible when you actually think about it because I think that's what's amazing about healthcare um, you know there's there's always more that we can learn and um, more we can diversify and I think just when you think about it in that way, it's just, an, it makes you feel like you're part of something so huge and so amazing. No, absolutely. Uh, we were actually doing a class today uh, on diabetes and just looking back to see when they'd started developing medication to help with that. You know, back then they didn't have the answers. Back then children were dying and now suddenly type 1 diabetes, you're surviving well into your adulthood, which is exactly what I want to do. I want to be in medicine. I want to find the answers and I want to help people. Yeah, definitely. No, that is, yeah, no, that's amazing. Sorry, I'm just sort of, you just, you just captivated it so well. It sort of just leaves you a bit, you sort of need to take a moment just to reflect on it really. But yeah, it's incredible how far we've come. And I think as teamwork and collaborative practice is advocated more, um, sort of the quicker we make progress. No, absolutely. I mean, teamwork makes the dream work. That's, that's a favorite of mine. It's if you want to go somewhere, go somewhere with friends because you're going to get there faster type thing. And I definitely believe working with a multidisciplinary team, you get different viewpoints that you hadn't possibly considered. And it'll show you different paths that might actually have the answers. So Future Frontline is honestly everything that I believe in. And it's just so wonderful to be a part of it. Perfect. No, we love having you as a part of it. Um, so you mentioned that you did an undergraduate degree before medicine. For people listening who uh, maybe don't already follow you on Instagram, um, would you mind telling, telling us a bit about that and sort of your sort of academic journey um, leading up to coming to Scotland for medicine? 
absolutely. I will forewarn and say it is a little complicated. <laughs> but I was a big sports woman at high school and after graduating I was I won a tennis scholarship to a university in America. So I said, okay, let me go to the States. I then went there, competed for five years. Uh, so I was playing Division One collegiate tennis. Um, and whilst I was there, I did uh, my undergraduate degree, which is a Bachelor's of Science in Chemistry and Biology with a minor in Psychology. So big mouthful. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot, a lot of studying. <laughs> it was, but it was worth it. And I'm honestly so grateful because learning to, you know, we were competing. So we had practice two hours a day plus one hour's workout. And then you had whatever, five hours of class. I learned so many time management skills that I'm absolutely dependent on now at medical school. What what um, sort of skills in particular there? Do you have any top tips for people listening then? Because um, I know applying to medicine, there's so many things you have to balance, whether that be your A-levels or college, um, as well as sort of work experience, volunteering, so many different things, extracurriculars, sports, music, um, based on sort of the busy schedule you've had in the past and now, um, what are sort of your top tips for managing your time well? Ooh, I would say my top tips is find the technique that works for you. So for me personally, I write everything down. So any thought that comes through my brain, oh, I have to do that, I write it down. Um, and then as I go through the day, I take it out. But some people find that quite uh, stressful and it puts more pressure on them so if that's not your method don't do it but for me I schedule everything so I schedule tv time I schedule exercise I schedule calling my family just because that way I know I don't forget things that are important because as much as I love medicine it's not everything mm, no that's so true and I think I think it can be really easy to lose sight of that it's really important that whatever um, course you're studying to always have that balance because at the end of the day you're so much more than just your job and having other aspects to your life are going to make you better in your job um which is what we want you know <laughs> exactly exactly that is um anyway continuing with my journey so after I graduated from the states I moved back to Zimbabwe where I trained as an ambulance technician so you don't have that here in the UK. Um, I believe you have ambulance drivers and then you have paramedics. And in Zimbabwe, we have ambulance technicians and then EMTs. And they kind of overlap. So I would almost say on a scale, it would go driver, technician, paramedic, EMT. So it's somewhere between a driver and a paramedic that I trained as. Okay, wow. So what made you um, decide to go into that? It was, I had, a, I was dealing with some stuff and I was had a bit of time and I said, you know what, let's make it useful. So I signed up for the course and I did it and it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, so I finished my training and then I actually started working and that really lit the fire again under me because I never forgot that I wanted to do medicine but I went through a stage where things were just really difficult and I was struggling to carry on because it was a long road for me by that stage. Mm, no definitely I think the application process in general um, is so tough and 
I think it can it can be really easy to lose sight of what you want um but that's so nice that that sort of acted as a reminder and reinforced you know what you first wrote when you were 12. Yes no I was very lucky to have that opportunity um so yeah. No that's amazing um would you sort of mind telling us a bit about um what the sort of day-to-day -day work as an ambulance technician was like? Yes uh, I will tell you an interesting fact. When I left Zimbabwe in 2019, a 12-hour wage check was was worth less than eight pounds in the UK. Wow! So it's it's a completely different world there. What you have to understand is Zimbabwe is a third world country, um, and as beautiful as the country is, and as proud as I am of it, we do have struggles, and there is a lot of political and economic turmoil there. Mm. Um, so we worked as 12 hour shifts, so you would get in, um, you would kind of get to base, you would go through the ambulance, you check through the checklist, make sure everything was there, you kind of say hi to everyone, and then you would just go sit in the, like, waiting area, um, and it's quite sad to say, but some days you would sit in that waiting area for the full 12 hours. Um, and you wouldn't go out on a call and it would just be a really quiet day. Um, but that was not because there was no emergencies. It was actually because in Zimbabwe, healthcare is, you have to pay for it primarily. And so when I wasn't getting called out, I knew it was just because people couldn't afford care that day. Oh, that... Which is it, quite intimidating. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, speaking here um where we have the nhs that's just that's just completely that's a foreign concept to me and yeah it, make, it makes you you know already i think especially with the pandemic people really do appreciate have so much respect and appreciation for the nhs and the amazing work they do not just now but that they've always done and will continue to do but you know when you make comparisons like that and, and see what it's like in other places it really does hit home um just how fortunate we are to have the nhs Yes, no, absolutely. I've always admired and been grateful for the NHS. Um, but saying that, also there were other days where we would be busy and we'd go out on calls to MVAs or there'd be a stroke. Um, I had one of my colleagues respond to an incident and there was a wild cheetah in the house, so they had to call for animal control before they entered. Um, oh wow so there's some stories like that <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that must be that must be scary um that's definitely not something you'd have to deal with here if you um were working as a paramedic here I'd like to imagine at least I know so there, there were some things that are different but then there's some things you know a heart attack you get those anywhere a stroke you get that anyway um so it was typical emergency care that we would have on those days where we would get called out so um would you treat patients as an ambulance technician? Would you be able to sort of treat patients on the ambulance then? So my qualification didn't allow me to give medication. Uh, we were only allowed to give medication if you are a nurse or an EMT. But typically they would pair us up as an AT with someone who could prescribe medication or could give medication. Um, but we would give like first aid and emergency care. So, you know... Um, that's CPR, that's treating burns, that's everything like that we would do and we would do it en route to the hospital. Okay, I see. No, so 
yeah, definitely um, that sort of first aid early intervention. Um, that's really interesting to sort of um, compare the differences maybe to what a paramedic can do, because obviously, like you said, we don't have ambulance technicians here. Um, but yeah, and that's, I guess that shows where, how it helped you remember why you wanted to do medicine and sort of the joy you have from sort of helping people in that way. Absolutely. You know, there was this one patient I had and I I still to this day remember her and I don't think I'll ever forget her but after we dropped her at the hospital she just looked at me and she said uh, like thank you you know she was just so grateful that we'd just given her basic care you know and it's things like that that actually just open your eyes and she was just she couldn't believe what she'd received cool. um yeah so I think that, that was kind of for me the turning point and then then I started the dreaded application process. So for anyone out there listening, I, I would probably bet money on it that I've got more no's than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so how did you go about the application process then as an international student? So I used the shotgun method. So I think I applied to over 20 countries. Um so I applied to Zimbabwe, South Africa, Namibia, Mauritius, Australia, New Zealand. I think I did Poland and Hungary. I did so many countries, I've forgotten all of them. Um, and then I ran into a few issues. Uh, there was, in South Africa, they don't commonly accept Zimbabwean students into their medical curriculum. In Namibia, I was not allowed to do medicine because I had a previous degree. Um, there was a few issues like that that came along and then I applied to the UK and I came over for my interview and whilst I was here my Zimbabwe had a military coup so I was stopped from returning home for a bit oh gosh <laughs> it's a, I know um so that happened so I actually ended up staying here a bit longer and I got a job and I was just continuing and then I eventually went back to Zimbabwe. I packed up everything in three weeks. I got my acceptance and I flew back to the UK. And that was kind of it for me. Yeah, the rest is history. Here you are now. Absolutely. Oh, wow. oh no, that's, that must have been stressful, you know, on top of the application process, being stuck here. I can't, that, that must, like, must have been really difficult, I can imagine. It was. It was really difficult. Um, you know, the... It sounds ridiculous to say this, but they shut down the internet in Zimbabwe for a bit, which oh. meant I couldn't communicate with my family. So it was scary, but now everything was okay and they were all safe. But yeah, it's a, it's a very different world out there. Mm, no, it must have been really frightening, but I'm glad everything is okay with your family now. Thank you. Um, and I actually am very grateful for that process because it's brought me to where I am today and I am beyond grateful for my opportunities. Oh, no, it's, it's lovely to see, to just hear how, how much medicine means to you and just like working in healthcare because, you know, I agree with you, it is true, such an honour and like you said with that story of that lady you treated, the, the impact you can have um, by doing even the simplest things um, is honestly amazing and it's such a privilege and honour. No, it is definitely. I've got goosebumps chatting to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as you're very experienced in the application process, um, what's sort of the biggest piece of advice you'd give to people listening that are interested in medicine? Um, maybe if they're international students or not. Um, yeah, what are sort of your top tips? 
I would say work on that personal statement and do many, many drafts. Uh, make it personal, tell your story, tell them about your passion, um, explain why you are so desperate to be a nurse, to be a paramedic, to be a podiatrist. Um, medical schools or universities will get so many applications with the same grades, with the same uh, extracurriculars, um, but that personal statement is what's going to set you apart. Mm. No, um, definitely. So the personal statement, I think it's very easy to overlook it and focus primarily on your admissions tests and how you'll do an interview, but the personal statement really does carry a lot of value, like you said. Absolutely. And then my other tip would be work experience. But I wouldn't do the work experience just because it looks good on the CV. Uh, I always say do work experience because then you'll know if you're going into the right field. Mm, definitely. I think if you don't do work experience, obviously now with the pandemic, it's really hard. But whatever you can do, I think in general, to get an insight into healthcare, whether that be, you know, reading the blogs on Future Frontline and seeing what we do, watching YouTube videos, documentaries, listening to podcasts, just getting exposed um, to all the different options in healthcare and getting a really broad understanding of it. That's at the end of that at the end of the day is what's going to help you answer interview questions. Um, but like you said, most importantly, help you know that it's the thing you want to go into. Absolutely. I mean, you're essentially making a decision when you're 17 for what you want to do for the rest of your life. So make sure it's something you enjoy and something that makes you happy. Definitely. Definitely. That's that's good life advice in general. Just, you know, do what makes you happy. Yes. What's that saying? Uh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Yes, that's I remember my um, my history teacher at school used to always tell us that. And I think it's so true. Um you really do, you know, yeah, if you love the job you have, you never work a, another day in your life. It is, it really is true. Um, so do you think your experience as an ambulance technician um, has sort of helped you in medicine and specifically in terms of, you know, um, interprofessional um, teamwork? Absolutely. I'm very fortunate having that experience. The curriculum at Dundee Uni is very... A practical base and a lot of clinical experience uh, so for example we see simulated patients in our first year um, oh wow that's great it is it's wonderful but having my AT knowledge to go into it really helped me because I already had the basic science knowledge and I already had the ability to com communicate with patients which can be rather frightening so that really helped me there. But also, you know, being an ambulance technician, I was working with nurses, I was working with flight technicians, I was working with so many different people. And you're doing the same job, all you're trying to do is help that person. You know, some people might be able to give medication, some people might not be. But at the end of the day, you're trying to save a life. So doing that really helped me see the importance of our working as a team can actually give the best results and if one person tries to do it their way and the other way it just it doesn't work but working together gets yeah gets you there yeah definitely and I guess it's about knowing what different people in your team can do so while you're doing one thing you can count on someone else to do another thing and um you know it's sort of like 
in emergency situations where you're doing your A, B, C, D, E. You tend to do that in a team. So whilst you're doing A, someone else can be doing B and you can make that progress quicker. Um, like no, you said. absolutely. It's definitely like that. You know, like my teammates or oh my um, would be putting in the IV and would be hanging the bag missiles. I'd be taking the pulse. I'd be getting the BP. You know, it, it was definitely you share the load and you do your strengths. So you absolutely hit the nail on the head, you know, working as a team and doing what everyone else can do, you're going to, you're going to get the job done. Mm, definitely. And for people um, listening now, obviously, who are thinking of applying, it's so, it's so difficult now. Um, I mean, already, I think it's so hard to get work experience, um, you know, especially if you maybe don't know people in the field. Um, and obviously now um, with the pandemic, um, that's obviously enhanced so um what advice would you give to people who want to get a good understanding of sort of the multidisciplinary team honestly firstly i just gotta say my heart goes out to all of you who are applying you're going through such a difficult stage of life and to be compounded on that by the pandemic and to make your choices even harder my heart really does go out to you um and all i can say is keep going you know you're gonna get there um definitely but then, you know, advice I would say, there's fantastic resources online. Um, like I've recently been following some doctors who do uh, shadowing. So they'll, you get, you add to these private groups and then they'll shadow and they'll talk about their patients with you. And that kind of works as um, work experience in a way. So in the medical field that would work. Uh, otherwise, YouTube is a fantastic resource. You know, you can probably get lost in the deep dark web, but there's definitely things out there that you could watch that you could see just to, you know, look at everything. Look at what does a physiotherapist do? Look at what does a nurse do? Just meet or not meet, but watch people and see them talk about what they do. And if that resonates with you, then go for it. Definitely. And I think, I think it's easy to um, maybe criticise YouTube or think, you know, a YouTube video that's not as prestigious as watching um, a brain surgery, for example. But really, I think at the end of the day, um, you putting down that, you know, you've taken the initiative, especially given the extra challenges on applying at the moment, by you taking the initiative, being resourceful and working with what you've got and finding YouTube videos that have given you a genuine, useful insight. I think if I was on the other side now and interviewing someone, if they could show that to me rather than them having just gone to their local hospital to see X, Y, Z, to me that shows someone who's taken more initiative and thought outside the box and um, they're crucial skills that you need um, to work in healthcare, I think, as well. No, definitely. And you've got to realize that what you're going through is unique at the moment. So however you get your information, however you get your experience, that was the best you could do. And that is good enough. Another idea for those trying to do applications now during COVID times is uh, other than YouTube and learning about the field, you could always look for Facebook events that offer certificates. Um, Usually there's a lot out there that you can sign up to for free, that you can attend for free, and they will give you a, a certificate of attendance or a certificate of uh, participation. I mean, personally, I actually do one of these a week, and I find them so helpful and so interesting, and it helps me broaden my knowledge. Um, so 
if you're looking to apply, that is definitely something I would advise doing. Um, the only other tip I would say is email people. So I have actually sent out many emails of my day, uh, which I am grateful for, even though I did get a lot of no's. I had the opportunity once to work with a urological surgeon in Zimbabwe. Uh, I was collecting information and trying to see the prevalence of kidney stones in the Zimbabwean population. And then later on, I also worked for a Zimbabwean pathologist, uh, again, looking at data and seeing the prevalence of testicular torsion. Um, that was actually really different because I had Zimbabwean uh, data is not online on a computer. So there was me literally scouring through books of handwritten notes and records to figure out how many patients in X amount of years had had a case of testicular torsion. So that was very challenging, but it was worth it. Um, and actually, in recent days, I've actually been emailing people for my societies to see if they would be willing to speak at events and to help uh, reach out to f other students. So it is definitely something... I have done and it is worthwhile. Um, all I can say is don't be afraid of getting a no. You know, that is the worst case scenario and it's not that bad if they say a no or they don't reply. But if you get the yes, it honestly is the best opportunity and it can definitely, doing something like little like that could definitely help build your CV for your applications. Definitely. Um, that's that's another thing that really shows being resourceful. Being as, you know, looking back now on your own application sort of process and journey is there anything you change to your application now looking back Oof. oh that's a tough one i can't actually think <laughs> put you um, on the spot <laughs> you have put me on the spot um honestly i might have devoted more time i would have liked to have started earlier than when i did um uh, and I had car issues on the day of my uh, exam, so I ended up having to run to the building. So I oh would have no. changed a few things like that. But otherwise, you know, I was happy with my application because it was me and it was the best I could do. Mm. Yeah, as long as as long as you're looking back, you know you've given it your all. I think yes. that that is like you said, that's all you can do, really, isn't it? Absolutely, you know mm. that's. That's all anyone can ask of you. No, that's so true. Did you read any um, books? Because I know it's a very stereotypical thing for people to always, you know, mention at least one book um, that they've read to help give them an insight. Is that something you did when you were applying? I did not, but I think it's because I did not know a lot of other people who had applied in the UK. So I didn't know you were supposed to mention a book. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, it's not. Um, I say it was, it was always sort of... Um, not a joke at my school, but it was something our teachers would always say, you know, oh, if you're applying, you're applying for a healthcare degree, make sure you've got your book meant, written in there so everyone would go off and try and find find a book that was really niche that not a lot of, a lot of other people would have read, um, just to sort of put in a sentence or two about it in, in their personal statement. But that just yeah. goes on to show the fact that, um, you know, if you don't know people that are also applying or... Um, teachers who've had, had experience helping other people I think it's really easy to feel quite alone and sort of overwhelmed because um, it's sort of like you know getting in getting into universities is like on this other side on the other side of a mountain and you're there at the bottom and you haven't even started to climb it 
no, absolutely. And as an international student, it's even more daunting because you're thinking, well, I'm pulling all this effort into applying and it's to a country that's so far away and some of us have never been to that country, have never visited, we don't know what it's like, it's a different language, a different culture. So it's huge, um, but it's worth it. Uh, being on this side and looking back, it is worth it, despite all the, the late nights staying up. Yeah, definitely. To anyone listening that's, you know, going through the application process now, whether you're um, doing your interviews now or you're just starting for the next application cycle, honestly, just stick with it. And, you know, it's 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 cliche, but you really do just have to trust the process. And as long as you give it your all, um, things will work out. And, you know, if you don't get in the first time round, that never means it's the end of the road. There are always other options and other ways to get um into medicine or any other healthcare degree for that matter no absolutely um i am trying to live by the mantra that no is just not yet i love that so if i fail an exam which i was fully prepared to do for the my first year uh if i failed and i said you know what worst case i sit another exam and then worst case after that i do it again but (laughs) no exactly i think it can be easy to um, let yourself spiral in those situations and you know get really overwhelmed but I, I'm, I'm going to sort of buy that mantra as well now I've never heard that before but it makes so much sense and yeah thank you for sharing that with me <laughs> of course I, uh, you're gonna giggle I have a stack of sticky notes on my desk and I anytime I come across a quote or something I add it to those sticky notes and I always keep it with me because there's days where I feel down and there's days where I feel like I'm not good enough um and then I kind of flipped through that and it's it's almost like when you were younger and you read the Bible and you landed upon a story and whatever it was, you said, this is talking about me. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. That That's so lovely to, I think as well, having them um, as sort of a physical thing, like on a post-it note rather than um, just sort of on your phone. Um, it makes it, I feel like it carries more meaning because, you know, these days everyone just has everything written on their phone. But, you know, take the act of writing it on a piece of paper just to really solidify it. Yes, definitely. Um, So you're in your second year now. Um, What advice um, would you give to someone um, looking back for sort of like starting medical school? And something you just touched on, which I think is so prevalent, is um, sort of imposter syndrome, that feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. This is too challenging. This is going to be too hard. Everyone else is better than me. I think these are really common thoughts. Um that people can have and especially I know during um having myself as well being in second year now I know in my first year loads of people had these feelings and it's really common um but how do you think what advice do you think you could give to someone to help them overcome that as best as possible you are not alone (laughs) you know I've got to reiterate that a couple times that you're not alone there's so many people out there who as you said Nikki just don't feel like they're good enough don't feel like they're smart enough just feel like they're gonna fail just everything just just you know Mm. um and I think my advice is you wouldn't be here if you weren't worth it you know you wouldn't be here unless you had what it takes so some days it's gonna be hard and some days you're really gonna struggle and some days you're gonna do nothing and that's fine but at the end of the line at the end of the day you deserve to be where you are and you can get through this. Mm, definitely, really wise words. And 
like you said, you know, you really can't put it, you can't hammer it home enough the fact that you are never alone in these feelings. And it's really easy to, obviously those sort of feelings really align, you know, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. That goes hand in hand with feeling isolated. But so, like you said, so many people feel that. And I think the the greatest sort of open dialogue we have about this and talking about the challenges that can come um, as a student and how we can combat them, um, the sort of the better well-being we can all have in general, um, which will obviously make us not only um, have a better experience at university, but also um, study better and become better doctors as well, which is always a good thing. Absolutely. And the one thing I am going to add to that, actually, is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, no matter what situation you're in, ask for help because someone is going to be there to listen or hold you or whatever you need. Someone will be there and it's it's not weak and it's not bad to ask for help. Some days it's actually the best and the strongest thing you can do. Definitely. And another way of thinking about it um, in terms of, you know, asking for help and how it can it can be you know one of the hardest things to do but if you think about what I like to do is always think about it in another scenario so say you're working in healthcare um, and you've got a situation where you feel out of your depth um, and you're worried Um, in that situation you know you would just you know immediately go ask for help ask for someone more senior ask for input from another member of your team so why why when it's about yourself Um, would you not do that? Does that make sense? That is the perfect metaphor. I absolutely love that. That's, that's great. You know, if it, if it was anybody else in your situation, you would have so much sympathy and you would have so much to offer them. But the second it's you that's struggling, you think you don't deserve it, which is absolute rubbish. I'm going to say it. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And I think it's really hard, but you just have to try and shut those thoughts down when you have them. Yes. And like you say, just go, go get a senior, go get someone who can help you. Definitely. Um, so as you know, and everyone listening, um, sort of well-being and having open discussions about mental health um, is really important, something we really value at Future Frontline. Um, what, sort of, what do you sort of do to de-stress and you know, encourage good well-being, especially now it's so much more important, you know, now that we're in lockdown and Um, We have all these other pressures on top of us trying to keep, you know, keep sane and just be, um, be as happy as we can be. Um, What sort of advice um, do you have for people listening? Firstly, I would say be kind, be kind to others and be kind to yourself because what you're going through is hard and it is real and it's okay to admit that. Um, my other thing would be, well, what I do is I schedule time for me to have me time. So if that means scheduling an entire day to do nothing, I will do that. Um, I typically do it when I can just feel myself getting worked up about everything, every little thing, like a fork's in the wrong place or some silly thing like that. Um, I know that I'm at my limit and I just need a day to just decompress. Uh, and take the time to myself and then I'll either read I'll knit I might go for a walk just do things that help me feel present in the moment um definitely you know in this pandemic mental health is struggling more than ever but 
I do think a good thing about that's come from the pandemic is that we are more vocal than ever about mental health and that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to ask for help and I just think that is great Mm, definitely I think you know if anything positive is going to come out of this I really think you know being open about mental health and knowing that it's okay to seek support it's okay to struggle at times and so many people um, face similar struggles to you and just because you're maybe not hearing other people talking about it that doesn't mean you're alone Um, I really think there's some sort of key takeaways that are going to come out um, as a result of the pandemic yes absolutely 100% agree Mm. but yeah no that's really good really good advice and you know it's about it's really important to recognize um when you feel you know you're on that tipping point of things being too much and when you need to you know take a step back and get perspective um because I think you know in your future careers that's a really important thing as well to recognize you know when you need to maybe just take a second to step away from a situation and try seeing it from another perspective um and get help it's it's all it all links together you know the sort of strategies you use in your personal life can also be really helpful in your professional life as well absolutely I mean in your professional life you can't look after people and you can't care for people the way you want to if you are not okay yourself because that's when you'd start making mistakes or something goes wrong so it's definitely important to learn that learn where your limits are learn when you need a break Um, And then you can apply that to your personal life. And then later on, when you're working, when you're under pressure, when it's go, 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 you're going to remember to take that break. Mm, Definitely. No, that that's really wise words. And, you know, like you said, you know, it's really easy to make mistakes when you're under pressure. So, yeah, no, that I'm trying to trying to sort of (laughs) come up with a profound way to sort of just say how much that hits home and how insightful it is. But no, honestly, I, I totally, totally agree with what you've just said. Thank you. I'll tell you what, you can tell it to me in a few years when I'm working and I seem to have forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'll make sure I'll, I'll have the timestamp written and I'll tell you, you know, go to this, this many minutes and this many seconds on the podcast and you'll hear yourself telling, your, <laughs> telling yourself now what you need to be doing. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Well, thank you so much um, for taking the time to share your experience with us, Steph. No, absolutely. I really am so grateful for this opportunity to share my experiences, my ups, my downs. And I do hope that just one person out there uh, hears something that they resonate with and just know that you're okay, you'll get through this. It is hard, but I know you can do it. The last thing I would like to say before we go is to anyone out there that's listened and has somehow resonated with my story, or even if you haven't, I just hope you know that medicine doesn't have to be a straight path. There can be lots of twists and turns. I mean, I have absolutely taken the scenic route. Um, and personally, I'm so grateful for that because it's taught me so many lessons and it's it's helped me grow, which if I'd gone directly out of high school into medicine... I don't know if I would have had the same opportunities that I have had. So if you don't get in your first time applying to medicine, to physiotherapy, to whatever it is in healthcare, it's not the worst case scenario. Uh, There are other options. And I truly believe that if it's where you're meant to be, you will get there in the end. Definitely. If um, people want to hear more from you, um, where can they find you online? Absolutely. So you can find me on my Instagram. It's 
a future doctor stethoscope. I thought I was really funny. <laughs> I love that username. <laughs> My brother came up with it. He'd kill me if I didn't give him props for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. Good you've acknowledged, you've acknowledged him. He's got his credit here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so you can find me there on Instagram. I share all about my days, my nights. Uh, I share about my struggles with mental health. I share about the ups, the downs. Um, yeah, so it's just a very open channel where I show the life of a medical student, essentially. Perfect. It's really important to you know be open and show that everyone goes through those ups and downs. So it's amazing to see you do that and it's been amazing today to hear a bit more about your work as an um, ambulance technician in Zimbabwe and sort of how that helped prepare you for medicine as well. Thank you it was lovely to talk about um, I actually have an article coming out soon about that as well so I will share it with future frontline. Definitely definitely um, well thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the future frontline podcast I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to Steph Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in next time.